0: Yes, I'm telling my computer to shush. I still have not turned off the metronome permanently. I need to figure that out. Okay. Well, ladies and gents, I'm super sad today. Uh, This is the last Queen Deep Dive of their fabulous fifth album, A Day at the Races. And it's a very special song, very, very special song. And I'm going to tell you up front that originally, as I was thinking about this, and I was starting my research on this number, I kind of thought, I don't know if I like this song as much as I should, because it's, it's a wonderful album closer. But the truth is, just listening to it several times through and really picking it apart, I've, like some of the other numbers before this, I've grown to appreciate this all the more. So this is dive number 56, track number 10, the last song on a day at the races. And this is Brian May's wonderful Teo Toriate Let us cling together. It's a romantic traditional rock. I say traditional because there is a very classical influence here. We don't just have the Japanese pentatonic scale, we have some very almost Baroque kind of inflections going on here. It's a very interesting structure, this song. It was released as a single in Japan only. Great reason for that. On March 25th of 1977, and it charted at number 49. We're at 141 beats per minute in 4-4 time signature, common time. And we have D minor and D major. Wonderful contrast between verses and choruses here from minor to major. And we have a little bit of A mixolydian. If you remember, mixolydian is the seventh note flatted in the scale. It's a very common thing for blues, for rock, et cetera. And that minor to major I mentioned, it's known as a parallel modulation where the tonic or the root note of the key doesn't change. It's not a common thing for the boys to do this, actually. So this is a really nice, rare moment in a Queen song arrangement where we get this kind of sound. And the reason this is so special is because this song is a heartfelt thank you and we love you and a memorable tribute to Queen's devoted Japanese fan base. I wanna talk about this A little bit at length, I've touched on it before when I kicked off Queen's album, A Night at the Opera. The guys went to Japan for the first time in the spring of 1975. And when they went, they were not huge. They didn't have any kind of big fandom at that point that they were aware of, but they went to Japan. And it was pandemonium. It was overwhelming, These people loved them. It's like Beatlemania, Queenmania in Japan in the spring of 75. It was so intense. The guys had to sneak around a little bit in hotels to get in and out without being overrun by enthusiastic fans. And at at least one of the concerts, Freddie had to stop singing because the crowds were so excited. Everybody was rushing To the front of the stage, and there was a little bit of a little bit of craziness going on. So Freddie had to just stop everything and get everyone to calm down, and then they continued. But needless to say, the appreciation the Japanese had for Queen was off the charts, and the guys didn't expect this. I don't think anyone expected this, and you can see in the fabulous. Tea ceremony footage we have. And there's footage of each of the guys thanking their Japanese fans and thanking them for coming to see their concerts. There's footage of each each of the guys talking for, you know, 30 seconds or a minute. And they're young. Of course, you know, they're like mid-20s, mid to late 20s here. They're young. They're young in their career. They've been together at this point since 71, but they're still young. And there's this enthusiasm and this graciousness and this absolutely genuine joy for what they're experiencing. And we don't really see that after this point because the guys get so big, their egos kind of get bigger too. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I love my boys. I would never criticize where they went with their music, but a lot of people did. I mean, future albums we're going to talk about here. We have not talked about News of the World. We have not talked about jazz. Both of those albums were criticized from various critics and press because the guys were supposedly all pomp and flash simply because they could. And I think there is a certain element there of the guys are just going to do whatever they want because now they can. There's nothing wrong with that. As an artist, that is what you should do. But unfortunately, it didn't play out in their favor in some circumstances. I mean, Roger was asked flat out, and this is one of my favorite interviews of him because he's clearly having a good time. She says, only Queen could come out with a track called We Are the Champions. I mean, where's the modesty gone? And he literally, without missing a beat, says, well, there isn't any. (laughs) And the reason why is because they'd had it up to here with the music press. They were done with it. They were like, who cares? We got nothing to lose anymore. So, we're going to do whatever we want, and they did. And unfortunately, with jazz, with the album Jazz in 78, some critics said that it was the first truly fascist album from a band. I mean, that is super harsh, very severe, and I think very unfair in its criticism. But this that's what happened. And I think from that point on, there's an air, a demeanor about the guys that just shifted. And of course, it's going to because of the ebb and flow of The evolution of a career when you have this kind of rock and roll, super massive stardom like this. But at this point in Japan, I'm sorry I digress there. At this point in Japan in 1975, these boys are the cutest, most adorable thing you're ever going to see. They're teasing each other in front of the camera. It's the most hilarious thing I've ever seen. I mean, I've seen a lot of candid behind the scenes footage, concerts. There's some fabulous footage of them touring News of the World. And I love that stuff. I live for that stuff because it's, it's a glimpse into the things that weren't staged. It's a glimpse into who they really were as people. That's what I love. And we see a lot of this kind of genuine appreciation for the fans in this 1975 footage. And I just, I love it. They all look beautiful in it. Cute as buttons. I absolutely love it. I almost think what it is partially is there's an innocence there. They hadn't been touched by this insane superstardom, this overwhelming sense of having arrived yet. And so maybe because they may have been questioning, are we even doing anything good? Brian talked about that specifically that even as time went on, they sometimes wondered, are we really any good? Because the press were so hard on them. But in this particular moment, they're just so green and young and unassuming. And it's like they're kids in a candy store in this moment. There's such an innocence and a youthfulness, this childlike quality that I think... Yeah, we lose that. We lose that very quickly because they get into the rhythm and they get into the flow and they get into the the fandom and it becomes, it's just a different thing. It's the novelty wears off maybe. I mean, I'm just guessing, but there must've been a lot that came onto them and it was just on their shoulders as the press continually attacked them very unfairly. And a lot of stuff happened in their lives. So I get it. You become a little bit jaded. You become a little bit guarded maybe. And yeah, you have at some point when you've done this for so long, there's an ego that comes along with that. But it's just interesting when I think about the dynamics of their career and how it changed as they went through this period of time. And to see, have this moment captured on film where they burst onto the scene in Japan and they were so loved and they were so ecstatic, youthfully, ecstatic about it. It's, it's a really cute, wonderful thing to have that immortalized. It's, it's one of my favorite things of the guys ever that I've ever seen. I go on about it because that's just how much I love it. But my whole point is with this is their appreciation for the fandom in the country was so big. They wanted to give them a love letter. So Brian penned this. I mean, Freddie was so taken with Japan that he bought antiques and brought home art. And if you watch any footage of interviews with him at home, you will spot something on the wall, on the couch, on the the table that's Japanese. You'll find it because he was very much a fan especially after they went to the country. So Japan was a very big deal for the guys and still is in a lot of ways. And this is the perfect tribute for that love for Japan, romantic, genuine, one of the prettiest things queen ever gave us. This is Teotoriate, let us cling together in the pentatonic scale, in classic and traditional fashion. Brian gives us a spirited and passionate love letter to Queen's first big fan base, the Japanese. As we've come to expect on other elaborate, lush, and extravagant races songs, this number richly layers instruments in moving, melodic fashion, sweeping from nostalgic and intense verses in minor to rousing choruses in major. Several rare instruments appear. We have plastic piano and harmonium. And the boys feature a full choir in the song's closing chorus. During the chorus, the guitars swoon and sweep in very classical, almost renaissance or baroque march style, perhaps somewhere in between there. The harmonium does a lot of this groundwork as well, adding a classic Brian touch having that classical influence there. Freddie, as he's effortlessly demonstrated since we began this album, gives us soft and tender deliveries before bolting into full-on chest voice and even some grittier and rock and roll shouts and screams in the bridge. John's gentle touch, especially in the verse, are as melodic as the piano. I can clearly hear Brian's harmonies with Freddie in the vocals, very much so in that first chorus. A wonderful feature to hear him so prominently. Guitars are rounded, rich and gorgeous. Drums crash when least expected, as we would expect. And Brian's rousing number takes us out of races flawlessly into that recognizable shepherd-like tone of an endless sonic staircase this was performed a precious 17 times only from 79 through 82 and it was also performed by queen and paul rogers six times the brian may band 11 times brian may himself three times and queen and adam lambert nine times always a special dedication to the enthusiasm and the love given to the band by the japanese fans And there's some lovely development of this over the years, despite how seldom it was played. In 79, this was lighter on the ears live. No electric guitar, Brian playing delicate piano through its entirety. It's such a contrast seeing Brian sitting at the piano, watching Freddie intensely as they work their way through this song. But then Brian was always intense, focused, and poised, even on his guitar. Very graceful. There also aren't any harmonies from Raj or Brian. But by 82, the boys are singing along with Freddie's lead and Brian busts out his guitar for that powerful bridge and unifying swell into the last chorus. So whether it's earlier or later in performance though, Roger gives us plenty of cymbal swells, crashes, and I particularly love his subtle touches in the earlier performances. Everything was a bit more grand by 82. And John is consistently awesome, no matter what performance we listen to. Most importantly, the audience, always enthusiastic and appreciative, sings along with Freddie and crew in tune in unison. It's really a stunning number, this one. Got some lovely comments from Brian. He said, I wrote Teotoriate, Let Us Cling Together, about the strong bond we as queen felt with the Japanese people. My lovely interpreter, Chika Kijurika, I hope I didn't completely mess that up, I apologize, worked with me on translating half the choruses into Japanese. I think I never thanked her enough. And at some point, when we go back, we always sing a version of this song and our fans, now a whole generation, sing it with us gently and perfectly in tune. And that was from Queen in 3D on page 57. Now, supposedly, Freddie thought of this as Brian's best song. I don't know when that statement was made or in what particular publication or interview. Because if he said it much later in their career, that's saying an awful lot. It had to do with the structure of the song. It had to do with the melodies. It had to do with the transitions of the keys and the lyrics and the poetic quality of the whole thing, which of course, Brian is very known for. Brian is very poetic as a writer. This is one of the reasons I love him so much as a composer. But yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess Freddie really, really liked this one. And he always sang it so well. He always sang it so well. It features a plastic piano and harmonium, yes, both of which are played by Brian. And the song crossfades into a one minute instrumental featuring that shepherd like tone melody. It's a reprise of the beginning of the album. A little bit more fun stuff about this. The song's title is a romanization of Teo Toriate, Hand in Hand and. I believe that's what the translation is. Queen spells Toriate with two Rs, but this doesn't actually conform to romanization systems in Japan, where the single was correctly titled with one R. This song was played during the opening ceremonies of the 2020 Olympics in Japan. I remember seeing comment after comment about that on the Queen subreddit. Everybody was saying, oh my gosh, I got goosebumps. And I did watch a recording of it. It was, it was stunning that they threw it in there. What, what a nod to Queen, you know, to have that in there. Such a cool thing. I love that their music, even the songs that are lesser known, like this one, continue to permeate the, I was going to say the psyche, but it's not really true, is it? Just they continue to pop up everywhere. I love it when that happens with artist work. Circus magazine in 1977 wrote, Teo Toriate, Let Us Cling Together, is a precious Nipponese inflected Auld Lang Syne. I never thought about it that way, but I would say, yeah, it has that quality, especially the chorus. I've read some fans wish Queen were known more for this affecting number than other bigger hits because it showcases their skill and talent so dynamically. And I found this gem on the blog, Gospel of Rock. It was written, I think, a decade ago, if I saw the publication date correctly. This lovely fan, she wrote, quote, my appreciation for this particular song can't be overstated. This is one of those rare and utterly beautiful pieces I can loop endlessly and while listening, find a deep feeling of peace swirl through me, unquote. Beautiful, Absolutely perfect way of putting it. And it's true. This is one of those Queen songs that once a fan discovers it, they fall deeply for it. Like me. (laughs) It's not that I hadn't fallen so deeply for it before because it wasn't good. It's just you finally take the time to absorb it and take it in and think about the structure a little more and the intention behind it. And that's when you suddenly realize just what an amazing masterpiece it is. Piano, plastic piano, delicate, magical. It creates this dreamlike intimacy. And Freddie chimes in beautifully, flawless in that falsetto. The lyrics, well done, Brian, are delivered with perfection. Quote, when I'm gone, no need to wonder if I ever think of you, unquote. Freddie's swell into the end of the first phrase, that control, When he drifts into the falsetto, be not gone, and he fades it out into the next phrase, John, moving on his bass in recognizable, racist, melodic fashion. We get that a lot from him on this album. John's playing is better than ever here. He always knows where to be in the perfect way. Softly moving harmonium, creating an air of suspension with classically inspired chords, almost a woodwind effect, and some more stunning words, quote, there's no one else could warm my heart as much as you, unquote. We get a subtle variation in meter, a brief three, four, as we shift into the inspiring chorus in a major key, layers of lead vocals, and Roger appears in full crash mode on his drums. The arrangement is quite simple, with less movement of notes, but the chords are sure, the delivery is confident and reassuring. There's still a tenderness and a sparkling brilliance, partially created with cymbals galore. And Brian, on that lower harmony, sounds so lovely against Freddie's lead. I love hearing Brian pop out for a change. More touching words, from his brilliance. In the quiet of the night, let our candle always burn. It's so simple, but it's so affecting. The loveliness and the tenderness in the Japanese section is simply divine. The guys sound beautiful into the next verse, one of my very favorite moments as Brian appears on noticeable guitar. And it's a deep growling guitar, like a grand giant statement of emotion sinking down the scale in perfect pentatonic fashion. So much happening here, even without percussion. A lot of movement and intensity, that subtle echo of dream on, dream on. I'm not even sure I noticed it until I listened to the live performances of this, honestly. I love Roger's snare roll going into the chorus again. We get more harmonies with Roger this time and the same assertive and bright delivery, this bridge tambourine. It's my favorite moment, more like classic queen, almost reminiscent of much earlier work from their debut. Very thick harmonies, heavy drums, Echoes of She Makes Me, Stormtroopers and Stilettos, also a Brian track, of course, from Sheer Heart Attack. Roger's drum work in this entire section is fabulous. Brian's power chords almost menacing in their ferocity. Freddie's stronger vocals and the way the harmonies surround them. It slows and fades just in time for another rousing sing-along chorus. This time with an entire choir joining in. It's sweet, it's wonderful, it's encouraging, it's awesome. The outro with that woodwind, classically tinged arrangement, I love the notes that shift seamlessly into the shepherd-like tone. The same one that opened this fantastic, dreamy, powerful, and perfectly produced album. It creates this circle of sonic celebration and timeless rock and roll. Teotoriate, Let Us Cling Together. This is such a good song. It really is. I'm telling you, the more I listen to it, the more I love this thing. It's it's one of those songs that, for whatever reason, I'm suddenly getting hit over the head with just how brilliant it is. Because before, I occasionally used to not finish it. it. It was one of those songs that, for whatever reason, I just didn't feel it. I wasn't jiving with it. But now that I've picked it apart so deeply... I'm really ecstatic about it. (laughs) I love it. And I'm really sad that we're done. You guys, we're done. The only thing I have left to do is, of course, award A Day at the races to my pick for who blew me away the most. And I have a little surprise on that one because something happened in the middle of this album that I wasn't expecting. And I have to acknowledge it. So that'll be my next episode, I think, unless I, of course, divert. And talk about something else. But that is the entirety of A Day at the Races, my peeps. I'm super, super sad because this is one of my favorite albums from the guys. They produced it themselves. It's so wonderfully done. It's such a great piece of lush, rich, beautiful layers of sound. I still think and always will think this is their prettiest album they ever did their most gorgeous sparkling thing because they came off this high with A Night at the Opera and took this in a lot of ways to a whole other level. I really think the songwriting is more refined. It's stronger here. Yes, maybe this is a little bit more overindulgent, but I love it because that is kind of Queen's stamp, isn't it? They love to indulge and have a good time. That's a whole nother song. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> having a good time, having a good time. All right, guys, I went on a little bit there in the middle. I'm so sorry about that. But I, I wanted to talk about Japan and the sentiment around Japan and just how adorable it, it was to, to take that in, to see these guys and their enthusiasm and how absolutely blown away they were by this response in that country when they arrived there. So they wrote this wonderful song. Brian wrote this wonderful song. And I'll be back again. Keep yourselves alive have a great time. We'll wrap this up with my who blew me away the most. And what am I calling that series? Oh yeah. He stole my attention when he dot, dot, dot. That's what I've been calling it. But after that, we will roll right into a very, very iconic album. It's going to be fun. There's a lot of songs on the next album that I'm particularly looking forward to talking about. One of them is one of the sexiest things they ever did. Sheesh. Okay. (laughs) I'm just going to stop and I'll be back next time, guys. I already said it, but I'm going to say it again. Keep yourselves alive. Keep yourselves alive and go rock out to that. Go rock out to early queen. I do love me some early queen. Later.